solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, the daily podcast covering your favorite football team in the Houston Texans every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Texans beat reporter for USA Today, Texans Wire, Cody Davis, along with the greatest partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, and before we talk about the Houston Texans, fantasy football is coming up. So winning your leagues, I want to let you know that winning your leagues starts with the right data. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you the edge you need in fantasy football leagues. Locked on Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round, so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked on Fantasy podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, including the Odyssey app. As mentioned, we are back to talk to Houston Texans. And what do we have on the rundown for today? Well, I can't wait to tell you. Will Malik Collins be an X-factor for the Houston Texans defense? And also, we want to dive into who we believe, Cody and I, well, not who do we believe, rather, but who was our favorite QB, not named Deshaun Watson and Matt Shaw. But first, I think it's very important to discuss Nick Casario. Well, yesterday we discussed the possibility of moving on from Deshaun Watson, whether it be Philly, whether it be Miami. We discussed who we believed offered uh, the most, you know, what, what Houston can get back the most for Deshaun Watson, right? And I got to thinking, Nick Casario is not in a position where he can actually sit on his hands for too long again. What do I mean by that? Well, first got in town, he tried to salvage the relationship between the franchise quarterback and, and, and the franchise. That didn't happen. Allegations hit right before the draft. But that left Houston in a really bad situation. And, and if, if Houston would have moved on from Deshaun Watson before the draft, you know, you have to believe that the outcome of the 2021 draft for Houston would have been totally different. We would have not had as many episodes talking about Davis Mills at quarterback because Houston would have went elsewhere, right? And so now with training camp coming up in a couple of weeks, we discussed that Philly wants to uh, possibly rather – wants to throw their name back into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. We discussed that Miami could do that as well. Nick Casario right now should be in his home, in his vault, locked away, doing five beats a day for three summers. That's a different world. Like, Creesome, Nick Casario should be figuring out when to strike the iron hot. Because I, I'll tell you this, Cody. In your first year, you cannot allow lightning to strike twice in the same spot. Teams want this guy, right? And unless by some stroke of miracle, Deshaun wakes up one day and say, hey, you know what? This organization has been good to me. Maybe I was tripping. Maybe the people that I was hanging around gave me some bad advice that I shouldn't have followed. Let me go ahead and reconcile this relationship with this team that believed in me and this fan base. Unless that happens, he's gone. He is gone. And what I'm getting at is Casario cannot afford to pass up on moving Deshaun Watson again. And here's why he can't afford to do that. The viewing of who we believe you would be would be miscued. 
because you're coming from a, a program, not a program, I'm sorry, this isn't college, but you're coming from a franchise in an organization that never really put players in a high pedestal. You look at Tom Brady and the Patriots. Tom Brady constantly took pay cuts, so that would allow him to be one of the guys. Now, of course, he is the GOAT. Like, there's no question. But Tom never was in a situation like this. Scandals with deflated balls, yes, maybe. Who cares? But that organization has been known to, if you're not going to get with our program, then you're done. I remember Jonathan uh, Jonathan Gray was his name. Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there was a running back that rushed for 204 yards against the Indianapolis Colts one week. Reports came out during that week after the game. He got a little big-headed and whatever the case was. We never heard from him again for the New England Patriots. Randy Moss came to town, and he had to change everything about himself to get with that program. And it worked out for Moss, broke a record, had three successful years with the, with the New England Patriots. What I'm getting at is, you know, I think this is one of those times where your Patriot way is definitely okay because it's not about relationships anymore. It's not about, like, where we really like the guy and we know what he can do for this franchise. It's not about that. Now – it's about making the clear-cut right decision. And that decision, number one, is move on from when it's time to move on from him. I think we're okay, and we understand why he didn't move on from him the first time. Like, we we, are, we disagree at the point where he should have moved on, but it was still kind of let's see what this team can do to get him back into the fold. Now it is clear as day that this relationship is over. So move on. Uh, don't settle, right? We're not asking you to settle. What we're asking you is don't let a good offer sit because you think something is better out there. It's not. No, it doesn't matter if it's coming from Philly, if it's coming from Miami, if it's coming from Denver. It, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. If that offer is something that you actually want and it makes sense, go ahead and move it, make the deal. And, and, and for Casario, uh, put your foot down. That's all we're asking for. That's all I'm asking for, Cody. I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but it's not worth sitting around because you think there's a chance. There's no more chances. I don't believe that Nick Casario is sitting around thinking and hoping that there is more chances to get Deshaun Watson here and playing for the Houston Texans in 2021. John, I'm going to disagree with you on this topic only because, and you know, I'm, I've been a big believer in this, that it's in Nick Osirio's best interest to actually, I don't want to say sit around. He is in a position where he is actually trying to maximize whatever the trade value is left for Deshaun. Because like I keep mentioning, I don't want to see Nick Osirio accept a trade that does not equal or come close to the value for Deshaun Watson on the field. And to your point, every time we talk about the Deshaun Watson trade scenario, we cannot go without mentioning his off-field troubles right now. And the off-field troubles is part of the reason why we are 12 days away sitting here on July 16, 2021, and he is still part of this roster, and we are still talking about whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to be a part of this organization, well, at least on this roster moving forward. 
I don't want to see Nick Casario trade him as of now because you're not going to get fair value for him now. And John, to the point that you made about the Patriots way, you talked about a couple of players that the Patriots moved on from very, very fast. How many of those players, when they left that organization, had the ramification that Deshaun Watson will have when he departs from this organization? Neither one of those guys, Randy Moss, even Antonio Brown, the running back that you just named, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, but... None of those players, when they departed, none of them had the value that would have reshaped the future of the New England Patriots like a Deshaun Watson trade will reshape and have the ramifications for the Houston Texans moving forward. When they depart from Deshaun, you're looking at a situation where it doesn't matter if they get one draft pick or six to seven draft picks. Deshaun is the key to the Houston Texans rebuild. That's the main reason why they should wait. And by the way, really quick, before closing out this segment, before moving on to Malik Collins, what would be a good value for you right now? I know we talked about what we talked about on yesterday between Miami and the Philadelphia Eagles, but what would be a good value if you was Nick Casario? That's a great care. That's a great question because, you know, I was actually thinking today, what should Houston value more, picks or players? Does Houston want to be in a position where they can actually acquire more picks than players and build from there? So Casario will have an opportunity to pick the guys that he wants. Or does Houston want to be in a position where they want to get guys that have already succeeded in the NFL at some level, which is why I mentioned Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis yesterday. We also talked about Xavier Howard as well. Like if he goes, if he's in Miami and Deshaun goes to Miami, you know, presumably so, we're getting Howard back. And then they'll work out some contract extension or, you know, uh, rework his deal. So I, I don't know. If, if it's me, I'm looking for somebody that's already proven they can play in the league. I'm looking for a couple of guys that have proven that they can play in the league. Of course, you get a pick back. Now, I'll put it like this, Cody. For me, it'll be – the ratio will be two to one. So if we get two players back, I'm mean, I'm fine with getting the first round pick back, at least. But I think Deshaun Watson's value, which may have diminished a little bit, I still believe Houston can be in a position where they get two players and two picks back for Deshaun Watson. I think I think he is that good. And and again, man, for a team like Miami and a team like Philly, who they will forgive you if you are putting points on the board and you're winning games, they don't Philly doesn't care at all. Unless if you, if you go out there and you stink it up, Oh, Philly's going to bring all that up. But if you go out there, you ball and you, you have the opportunity to bring them to the promised land. Philly's going to turn a blind eye, but great question, man. I, I do think that Houston should value players getting players back over picks. Oddly enough, I was looking at the, uh, the odds of NFL passing leaders to a tug of a lower is 50 to one has a 50 to one chance to be the NFL passing leader for the 2021 season. Jalen hurts has a 80 to one chance to be the passing leader for the 2021 season while Deshaun Watson. And I believe this number is skewed a little bit because of his legal situation. We don't know who team, what team is going to play for has a 25 to one chance to be the NFL passing leader for the 2021 season. These are all the betonline.ag prices, and they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. 
You get all the news, all the odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the NFL as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back in, Texans fans, to Locked On Texans. Hey, really quick, I just want to remind everyone that starting next week, Locked On Texans will be going back to five days a week, every Monday through Friday, covering your favorite Houston Texans because the NFL channel will no longer be in the offseason protocol. So starting Monday, five days a week, let's get it, John. We're going into our third season, baby. I hope you're ready. But speaking of going into our third season, Malik Collins is actually going into his first season as a member of the Houston Texans. And I actually believe in Collins' ability to improve the Houston Texans' defensive line. When I take a look at Collins last year, yes, last year was a down year when he played for the Las Vegas Raiders. And he had a terrible year. He did not record any kind of sacks. He did not. He only had one quarterback hit and he was God awful in Las Vegas. And I had an opportunity to reach out to your boy Q who hosts Locked On Raiders. And I actually asked him, what was it about Collins' time in Las Vegas that made him such a terrible player? And Man, he I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> he straight up told me that Collins wasn't a fit. First and foremost, he said that the Las Vegas Raiders was going back and forth between a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 mm-hmm. defense. And yeah. remember, this he is where Dallas in a 4-3 defense. My point exactly. And this is where I get excited about Malik Collins. And John, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins on this. But ladies and gentlemen, when Malik Collins was in Dallas, this guy was a rising star on a defensive front. He was, of course, as we mentioned, was in a 4-3 defense, and he actually, in four seasons with the Dallas Cowboys, the man recorded 14 and a half sacks and had 40 quarterback hits. When you take a look at the Texans' defensive front, you know you're going in with Charles on the minute who. Um, the nose tackle position is basically up in the air. If I had to name a starter come week one at the nose tackle position, I think I'm going to roll with Ross Blacklock over Brandon Dunn only because Ross Blacklock has more potential to thrive in a 4-3 defense unlike Dunn. Yeah. But, and Dunn is actually coming off an uh, injury, isn't he? Yes, sir, he is. But going back to my statement about Collins, not only is he going to be very reliable for the Texans in the pass rush, he's actually a very solid defender when in terms of stopping the run. And that is something the Texans desperately need, especially when you consider that J.J. Watt is no longer a part of this organization. Yeah, so here's the thing about Malik Collins and his time in Las Vegas or Oakland, whatever they want to be. First and foremost, the Raiders have been in the bottom half of the league since the arrival of John Gruden. Malik Collins was brought in last offseason due to the relationship with Rod Marinelli. You know, those two got ties from his Dallas days. But Paul Grunther was the D.C. He was also fired before the season ended. That kind of speaks to where the Raiders were. The problem with the Raiders has been they aren't getting pressure from their other DNs. Max Crosby led that team in sacks with seven. The next closest guy was Nicholas Morrow with three. He's an uh, inside linebacker. This is for a team that finished 21st in sacks last season. Not enough consistent play from their front four in total. And for Malik Collins, he thrives when the bookends and other players in the front seven are creating pressure. 2019, for example, 
with Dallas. Robert Quinn finished with 11 and a half sacks. Demarcus Lawrence finished with five sacks, while Jordan Lewis and Michael Bennett combined for eight sacks. That year, Callis finished with four sacks. 2020 Raiders were 29th in sacks. The 2019 Cowboys were 19th in sacks. So a big difference when you look at jumping 10 spots, depending on what you're looking at. But what I see is Houston, they're going to need for Malik Collins to be an X factor. They're going to need third-year guy Charles who my guy out of UT, to ball out this season. They're going to need Ross Black, like who we mentioned. We need that second year to be a whole lot better than this first year. And I believe it will with training camp and adequate uh, coaching around him. But Shaq Lawson, Shaq Lawson is going to be big. Houston has to make sure that they find ways to put this team, that front seven, because as I mentioned, if everybody else is playing better, the version of Malik Collins changes. And he's also going to be more comfortable in a stable 4-3 defense. And so that's what I'm looking forward to for Malik Collins. He's going to be in a position where everybody around him, if they can elevate, and I think who we have right now in his front seven, I look at Vincent Taylor, Demarcus Walker, uh, and I'm going to name the players not named Malik Johnson, Malik Collins rather. Vincent Taylor, Demarcus Walker, Charles Amanehu, Jordan Jenkins, Jonathan Grenard, Ross Blacklock, Brandon Dunn. I think that group of men that I just named, these are all the front four guys. That group is better than what we saw out of Raiders last year. Okay? And so if that group is going to be better, including Shaq Lawson, if that group is going to be better, then Malik Collins can be better. Malik Collins will be in a position where He's going to he's you're not going to ask of him a lot. So what he's going to give you is going to be a little bit over than what you're expecting, which is actually you know pretty successful. I can see him having another four sack season, uh, 20 total tackles, and maybe about five to eight tackles for loss. Uh, I think he's that good. The, the key is Lovey Smith, his, his linebacker coach, his defensive line coach, how they're going to maximize this group. Um, to get the most out of them with no clear-cut superstar stud at the defensive end spot or no clear-cut edge rusher who can go and get you double-digit sack numbers. Everybody's going to be called upon to get after the quarterback. And if that happens, I believe this this front four can be a whole lot better than the front four that we saw out of Oakland slash Las Vegas last year. And Collins would be in a better situation where he's comfortable in a defense where he's more relaxed, He's not trying to figure out whether he's going to play inside or, or what type of shade technique. That 4-3 for him would do wonders for this Texan defense. And John and listeners, really quick before moving on, to understand how much Collins' production went down when he signed with the Raiders last season. During his last season with the Dallas Cowboys in 2019, he averaged a pass rush grade of 77.6. In 2020, his only season in Las Vegas, the pass rush grade went down to 57.6. With every increasing number of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models like Pacifica and XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidated questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. 
Come on, guys. We can do better than that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey cost $353.99 at Advance, a big chain store. But it only cost $216.79 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have a different price tiering for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices available rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and it does not require a membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Do You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Giannis Antetokounmpo blocks the Phoenix Suns from going up 3-1. I love that. Black block was amazing. The new you goat. The, the new goat. The true goat. No, I'm just, nah, he, not he, he true goat. He got it for right now. He got it for right now. Getting more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All this Deshaun Watson talk, man, got me thinking. You know, Deshaun Watson's time in Houston, whether it's been short-lived or not, was very exciting. Matt Schaub's time in Houston, the other great Texan quarterback, whether it came with disappointment, had some great years. Some, some, some years, two of those years, you have to ask yourself a question. If it didn't go this way, could the Texans, you know, Pulled it off and worn it out. But outside of those two, Cody, who else do we have? If you got David Carr, Derek Carr, I'm sorry. You got David Carr, Brian Mallett, Josh Johnson, Case Keenum, Sage Rosenfeld. <laughs> you got Brian Hoyer, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hold on, hold on. That is Tom a Savage. lot. That is a lot of quarterback years, names. Yeah, in exactly. 20 in 20 years. Good Lord. I'm not even finished. Like, let's take a look at the Texas quarterbacks in the, in the last 20 years since they came to Houston. <laughs> TJ Yates, Brock Oswaller. Oh, my goodness. I mentioned Case Keenum. Matt Leiner got a, got a, got a game in. Brandon Whedon, Brian Mallett. Oh, my goodness. Did I mention Brock? I mentioned Brock Oswaller. AJ McCarron, Dave Ragone, Tony Banks. Don't forget Tony Banks. Tony Banks got some games in for this for this for this club. So what I'm getting at is Houston has seen its fair share of quarterbacks since 2002. That's understandable. But outside of Shaw and Washington, Cody, who has been your favorite quarterback to suit up as a Houston Texan? You have to go with, and I don't care what nobody say, one of my favorite Texans of all time. And that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. I don't understand why this man could never find a true place to call his own for at least consecutive seasons. I, I just never understood it. And when I take a look at what he did for this organization, I believe he was here in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when the Texans went nine and seven. That was actually the first year under Bill O'Brien. 
He went 6-6 six and six as the Texans starting quarterback. He completed 63% of his passes, threw for 2,483 yards, 17 touchdowns, and he had that remarkable game where he threw for a franchise record that is still standing today, six touchdowns in the Texans' 45-21 victory over the Tennessee Titans. And, John, I don't care what nobody said. I said it in 2014. I said it in 2016. And I, and I said it in 2017. Ryan Fitzpatrick should have been the Texans starting quarterback for at least two to three seasons, at least up until the point we got to Sean Watson. And then in hindsight, if you think about it, maybe he should still be here. You know, for me, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually does come at number one. But since you already roll with Fitzpatrick, I'm going to I'm going to go with one A. And I just named the list of quarterbacks that came through this building. You got teams in this NFL, like, you know, the Patriots had Tom Brady for 20 years. The Texans went through how many quarterbacks in 20 years? Too many. But during that time, 2013, the funnest 0-8 season I have ever seen from a quarterback <laughs> in Casey Keenum. When I say 0-8, he played in eight games and lost all of those eight games. But it was always – Always exciting to see Case Keenum play. First of all, he played at U of H. He's kind of a hometown guy. His home in Brownwood is not too far from Houston. Uh, family used to come out and see him play. I don't know if he still has it, but he did break the NCAA record while he was in college for U of H with 5,000 and I guess like 100 and something yards. So he was pretty known and popular. He know like it wasn't like he was drafted here and he didn't know anything about Frenchies. He knew about Frenchies, right? He he knew about Shipley's Donuts. He knew he knew about these things. So he was he was already into this the culture, the Houston culture. He actually still on the NFL roster today. Did you know he plays for the Browns? <laughs> yeah, he's on a Browns roster. But for me, man, Case Keenum, it seemed like every game, the conversation around that around his eight starts was. Maybe this is a guy he should look to for the future. Maybe if you keep him around, Case Keenum could actually do something. And he just went out there and lost another game. Then he go back out there and lose another game. But all of those games were very exciting to me, Cody. And the best part about Case Keenum season, you want to know what the best part about the season was? Who was it? We went 2-14. and 14. And you know who that got us? <laughs> the number one pick. And you know who we drafted? Jadavion Clowney. The Davion Clowney. But I got to say, man, during that time, Case Keenum did have some good games. Had a couple of games where he threw for 200 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, had a couple of games that year that was just better than what we thought it was going to be. And it all resulted to losses like that 2013 that year, the 34-31 loss that they suffered to the New England Patriots. Case Keenum had 272 yards in that game, no touchdowns, one interception, one sack, but he had a rushing touchdown. And he helped that team uh, stay close in that game, man. He was very efficient. So Case Keenum during his time was a big question mark that just was – that's all it was going to be, a question mark. He gave the fans some excitement. And really up until Deshaun Watson and after the two-year period that Matt Schaub had – Every quarterback for this team was that exciting because the question was, well, maybe if the Houston Texans do this, they can bring him back for another year and be successful. 
Like, I, I, maybe because I was young, but up until I saw Sage Rosenfeld get hit so hard that he did a <laughs> helicopter, I thought he would be able to be in Houston for the next couple of years. You know what I mean? And Sage Rosenfeld still holds a record for four touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter. Led the Texans back uh, a, a big victory against the AFC South rival Tennessee Titans. I don't know if you guys remember that as well. I just talked about that on Twitter uh, yesterday as well. So, like, Houston has had a lot of quarterbacks come through. Not named Deshaun Watson to match up. It has to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick was just so goddamn cool. But right after that, if you guys remember the energy around Case Keenum, that was a fun time. The worst of those quarterbacks, Brock Osweiler. I'm John, some sports guy, Hickman. Thank you guys for checking out the Locked On Texans podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. Be prepared next month for the YouTube. That's going to be super fun. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Why 24? Because it's for the true GOAT, Kobe Bryant. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.